Good morning. My name is Dan Song. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be together. Like Jenny Lynn, who just shared, we do encourage you to come out tonight. How can you watch these four candles burn and not see the end of it where the Christ candle is burned tonight at six o'clock? So with all that anticipation, you want to come back. And it's actually under 59 minutes, and so it's a short service. And so if if you have the opportunity to invite friends or family, we'd love for you to come and celebrate as we, as we uh, see the Christ candle lit, but also hear the beautiful story of how from Genesis to Revelation, we see how the beauty of the story that's unfolded with Christ coming uh, and as we wait the second return of Christ. If you have a Bible, I'm going to turn, ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we're looking at um, these four different royal names that were given to Jesus, this prophecy that was 700 years prior to his birth. Uh, the first week, we looked at how Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Then we looked at how he is the mighty God. Last week, we looked at how he is the everlasting father. And today, we're going to look at how he is the prince of peace. Prince of Peace. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. Uh, there you could turn to page 573. But I'll read verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. And tonight, uh, you'll actually hear more on verse 7 tonight uh, with a short little homily. Uh, so we encourage you to come tonight as we finish and wrap up this little series that we've been in during this Advent season. Let me read for us, starting in verse 6, chapter 9 of Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Lord, though the grass withers and the flower fades, your word lasts forever. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning of this peace, this shalom that we all long for, even in this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, strengthen us, through your word, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a story from a pastor uh, about on this Christmas Eve day back in 1914 during World War I. And what happened on this Christmas Eve between Germany and Britain was that in the trenches of war, on Christmas Eve of 1914, both Germany and these British forces began to light candles above their trenches. And as they did, these soldiers began to sing carols, Christmas carols. And when Christmas Day dawned, what you began to see was that they actually started a truce. No longer was there gunfire, no longer was there a battle, but rather, you saw these German soldiers come out of the trenches and begin to say in English, Merry Christmas. And so with that welcome and invite, 
British soldiers began to come out of the trenches and they began to pick up both sides, began to pick up their dead ones and bring them back to their sides. Not only that, they began to swap gifts between the British and the German soldiers. And they began to sing carols together on this Christmas day in 1914. But to top it all off, they actually began to play a soccer match in the battlefield. For one day, war ceased. It stalled at least. And when we think about this word Prince of Peace, that's what we usually think about, right? When we think of this word peace, we think that it's the ceasing or the, the stopping or the pausing of conflict and war or whatever you're going through. But what I want to encourage us to think about that it's so much more than just the ceasing or the pausing of even a war, World War I. And that the, in the midst of the darkness and the gloom and the anguish, that this Prince of Peace that came into our world is the hope that we need that bursts forth for us on Christmas Day and every day that we live as followers of Jesus. So what I want to briefly do this morning is ask these three questions. What is this peace? How is Jesus our peace? And lastly, how do we live in this peace? So first, what is this peace? Well, first, we have to see that this word in Hebrew is shalom. And I know many of us are familiar, but it's this idea that means flourishing of wholeness and well-being and delight. So it's much more than just the removal. It's not just a word that negates something negative. It's not that we just remove something that's bad or remove war or remove conflicts. It's much more than just negation. It's an affirmation. It's a positive word that describes what is and not just what isn't. Here's a good definition from Neil Plantiga, who wrote the book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. This is his definition of shalom or peace. Shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Now that word carries so much, doesn't it? Even as Leo prayed, we long for things as it ought to be. There's a way in which we are wired and built to think about ways that this world should be. That there should be no death. There should be no conflicts. There should be no disease and sickness. And there's a longing for us of a heaven, a place where things should be as it should. And this is the longing that the Israelites and the people of God longed for when they heard this word peace, that the Prince of Peace was coming. Because guess what the context for them was? They were surrounded by enemies all over them. And the imminent threat of Assyria was looming large because they had already attacked their upper empire or upper country, which was Israel, and Judah was next. And here the people of God were afraid for their lives, for their well-being. And when they heard that this Prince of Shalom would come, 
Imagine the hope that they had. Now I know we can take everything now and make it political. But think about even in our current cultural moment, in our own world, where there are innocent civilians in Ukraine, in Palestine, in Israel, in Sudan, in Myanmar, where there are so many global conflicts. And think about what they long for. They long for their enemies to be crushed, don't they? They want peace and shalom. They want victory. They want their enemies conquered once and for all. And that was true for Israel, and it's true for us today. Derek Kidner, a commentator, said this. He said, to bring peace in such a world is no namby-pamby affair. I'm not sure what that means. but <laughs> Such a peace comes by force. Shalom means we win, you lose. That's a different way of thinking about peace. Peace, shalom, it's a victory word. If you look back at these verses prior, verses 4 and 5, it's talking about how the oppressor's rod is going to be broken. Every boot and garment rolled in blood of the warrior will be burned as fuel for the fire. What's the point? The peace that the prince brings is a peace that he fights for and wins. It's a peace in the wake of victory. That's what we all long and wish for. The message is simple. The prince of peace wins. He wins in absolute victory. And the peace he brings is a peace of victory and of triumph. That's what we all want. So the question is then, how is Jesus our peace? Well, when you look at Jesus' birth, life, and ministry, death, and resurrection, you see it all come to fruition in Jesus. In his birth, look at, I have it for you here in Luke chapter 2. What do the angels proclaim? Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. With his birth, there is peace that is ushered in to our world. The incarnation of Christ was for the glory of God and for the restoration of peace and of shalom in our world. How about his life and ministry? In Isaiah 61, or not in Isaiah 61, but when Jesus begins his ministry, he walks into the synagogue, he un unrolls the scroll, and what does he read from? He reads Isaiah 61. And this is what it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then what does Jesus proceed to do in his life and his ministry? He heals the sick. He restores the blind. He forgives sin. He touches the leper. He begins to bring shalom in his life and his ministry. And then, of course, we think about his death. How does he bring shalom? He brings it by losing it himself, right? When you think about victory, what do we think about? Conquering, power. You think about raising your sword and destroying others. But Jesus... In the way he brings victory and shalom and peace for us, 
is not with the sword. Rather, he sacrifices and dies for us. And that's why in Isaiah 53, he says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Friends, there is no peace without the cross. It is only through Christ's atonement that shalom can come into our world. But that's not the end, right? He rises from the dead. He puts death to death. And in John 23 times, what does Jesus say to those that he sees? He says, peace be with you. His resurrection declared that God had brought the solution to the problem to our world. And he says, it is the peace that I have brought through my conquering of death. And as we wait for his second return, that is going to happen. What do we all long for? It is what Leo talked about, the already but not yet. Christ has won. He has put death to death. But while we are still here, we wait for what? The final consummation of that peace, don't we? I love Isaiah chapter 11, this beautiful picture of what it'll be like here on earth. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leper shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. (laughs) Talk about an, an imagery that truly pictures what peace will be like. When enemies will be together, And there will be relationships that will flourish and grow. Well, there'll be no sickness. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more war. But we will experience what life ought to be like once and for all when Jesus returns. This is what we all long for. And this is how Jesus fulfills it. But here's the question that we need to end with. And I think it's the hardest question to be able to answer for us this morning on this Christmas Eve. How do we live in this peace, right? Because we look around and we feel like we're actually losing, don't we? That death seems to have the final word. Disease and sickness, strife and conflict. As you think about going to your family's dinner tonight and tomorrow, and maybe even this morning trying to come to church and the conflicts and the wars that rage in your homes or of grieving of lost ones it's hard to think about what this peace and victory looks like Diedrich Bonhoeffer one of my favorite theologians and authors said this in our lives we don't speak readily of victory right it is too big a word for us We have suffered too many defeats in our lives. Victory has been thwarted again and again by too many weak hours, too many gross sins. Any of you feel like that? That this word is just too big of a word, this victory. So how do we find hope and joy and peace in a world that we don't experience that kind of victory, but yet is promised to us? I think the first thing is we need to have faith. Faith. The reason I say that is because 
When this prophecy was given that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, this was 700 years before his coming. 700 years. That's generation upon generation upon generation of the people of God that waited for this child to be born. And in the midst of those waiting, of all that waiting, think about the strife and the conflicts and the war that continued to happen. And yet, what was their call? It was to wait with patience and hope that shalom and peace would come. And Isaiah does this in a beautiful way. We haven't talked about this, but in verses 1 through 7, Isaiah prophesies this as it had already happened, that Jesus actually already came. He uses words like, they have seen. You have multiplied. You have increased. You have broken. And Isaiah does this to give us this sense in which the promise is so certain that I could write about it in the past tense. And I think that that patience, that that waiting is true for us too in this, in this time of heartache where the word victory and shalom is too big of a word for us. We're called to wait with patience and hope together as the family of God that he will bring the peace when he comes again. But secondly, I think we're called to submit to his reign as the prince of peace. Do we take refuge in him and participate in the work that God has called us to contribute to the peace that he has brought and ushered in? So when I talk about bringing the peace to our family members, to our coworkers, to your workplace, to your family and neighbors, and even to your enemies, it's not with the sword, but in the ways that Jesus has offered himself to promote reconciliation and restoration and hospitality. How? With love, with service, with sacrifice, with humility. That's how we usher in peace and participate in the work that God has called us to. It's through dying to ourselves. It's through sacrifice and love for the other. That's how we bring peace and continue to promote the peace that God has already begun. As I close, I thought of an illustration that might help us to think about this. We think about on this Christmas Eve, and I won't, I won't disturb or make you angry, but when you think about the goat, there's only one name that we think about, right? I won't mention his name. But when we think about this goat with six championships, multiple MVPs and finals MVPs, there's another man, though, that won a lot more. Do you know who that is? Bill Russell, right? Bill Russell, in his 13 years with the Celtics, won 11 championships. Now, when you go down the list of those that won the most NBA finals, there's one name that's at number seven that probably none of you have heard of, maybe one or two of you. His name is Jim Lustikoff. Any of you heard of him? I knew it. Oh, okay. Maybe a couple. He was a kid. I'm not sure he knew. <laughs> but Jim Lustikoff won seven NBA championships. One more than the GOAT. How and why? He rode on the coattails of Bill Russell. 
He averaged six points and five rebounds in his career. I mean, he, he, was, he was an NBA player. But the only reason he won seven was because he rode on the coattails of Bill Russell. And I think that's exactly what we need to do. We need to take refuge in the Prince of Peace. In the midst of the already but not yet, when things seem so uncertain, and there's so much pain and poverty and sickness and sin and death and despair, we can have hope because Jesus has already won. He has conquered. He has won the victory for us. And as sure as Christmas morning is coming, that Jesus was born, Jesus will come again. And we take refuge in him and participate in the ways that he has called us to with sacrifice and love and humility. May that be our hope this day and each and every single day we live with hope of the Prince of Peace that will bring the ultimate peace again. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are our Prince of Peace that you did not wield this peace with a sword, but you gave your own life for us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come this morning, give us the hope that we need. Give us the strength we need. Give us the patience we need, that in the midst of the darkness and the gloom and the despair, that we can set our eyes on you and take refuge in you because you have won the victory for us. Won't you do that good work we ask in Jesus' name? Amen.